0: You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. The views and opinions expressed on this show do not necessarily represent those of the network, its advertisers, owners, or sponsors. Coming to you from Podcast Detroit, it's Heard, your food, beverage, and hospitality podcast. Heard is a collaboration between the Hungry Dudes, Nick Drinks, and the Detroit Optimist Society. Each week, we interview industry professionals about issues related to food, beverage, and hospitality. Please take a moment to subscribe to Herd through the Apple Podcast app, Google Play, SoundCloud, or however you subscribe to your podcasts. Write a review and let us know what you think. For additional content, including awesome videos and photos, visit HerdPodcast.com, like Herd Podcast on Facebook, and follow at Herd Podcast on Instagram. We appreciate your support and hope you enjoyed this week's episode of Herd. Hello, friends, and welcome to Herd, your food, beverage, and hospitality podcast. I'm Joe Hakeem, and tonight I'm joined by Nick. Yeah, we're not talking now. No, I, I post on Instagram. I shouldn't have. You're not just,
1: allowed to. I'm the only one allowed to just post delete, on the Instagram account.
0: Just delete. I'm deleting it right now. Delete the story. Uh, our special guest tonight is the owner of Bobcat Bonnies, Matt Buskard. Thanks for being with us. Thanks for having me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so before we start talking about Bobcat Bonnies, let's talk about about whiskey experience nick you guys made an announcement today i'm going to talk to matt about it okay, okay. so <laughs> matt <I'm> here
1: <laughs> we have uh whiskey experiences coming up uh okay. we have yeah we should have had a big announcement today uh as everyone knows it's the big event that happens on april 20th it's the best whiskey tasting uh in michigan as far as i'm concerned you know the the diversity is great there's so many brands there there's the more rare exclusive brands especially when you look at the other competitors it's my favorite event i'm not just saying that because they pay me i actually believe in it uh But the big announcement is we are going to go after a Guinness World Record for the world's largest whiskey highball. Oh. Yeah. So in order to do this, we have to hit 55 gallons, and that is um, what kind of the threshold they sent. We submitted all our paperwork about 10 weeks ago, and we're actually building a vessel that'll be 93 gallons big. Um, It's actually custom built by a plastic guy in Jackson, Michigan, and it'll look like a giant Tom Collins glass. It'll have spigots at the bottom so we can dispense it. But the reason why it's so big is we're going to allow for ice and uh, make sure we have a little bit of overhead, you know, so we can make the uh, sure. the official record.
2: Wow. Yeah. I got kicked out of a college in Jackson, Michigan, so I know it well.
1: Really? So have you been to uh, United Plastics? Then?
2: I have. <laughs> it's right off the highway. Are you serious? Yeah. Just, oh,
1: Jesus. <laughs> uh,
2: there's a prison, the college, and an olive garden. And there you go. <laughs> I mean, you know, there's not much.
1: Well, the other thing that's uh, that I want to bring up is uh, Jim Beam is actually going to help us uh, get the whiskey. Oh, so that's, cool. uh, that's huge. They're going to give us gin beam black. Uh, we're going to use Fago ginger ale in it, Ooh. and it's just going to be a delicious, lovely drink.
0: What, how much whiskey is going in it, roughly? Two, two cases,
1: I think. I got to do the math okay. again. Um, I don't have it in front of me. How big is the vessel? 93 gallons.
0: No, how, like, I mean, in terms of, do you have any idea size-wise? It's, like,
1: uh, it's a little under five feet by uh, two feet diameter. Huh. So yeah. same height as you. Yeah, it's like it's like yeah. Joe size. Like we could drown you in a Tom Collins glass.
2: That sounds like fun.
1: After, no. let me finish the event, then you can drown yourself.
2: It's like we gotta drink it fast. Joe's in. Yes, her. Joe wants to swim in it, but
1: before then, it needs to be food safe. So, so,
0: so there there is a previous record for this. Then someone set this record prior to this. Happening? Well,
1: no. Oh, okay. <laughs> so that's the thing. So if you don't set a record, it sits at fifty five. So therefore, you can go in and look at all the records. There's only like three or four booze-related giant cocktail records. And actually, one happened at Porco's in Cleveland. Uh, they made the largest daiquiri, I believe it was. Mm. Uh, and that happened a couple of years ago. So that was a big deal. We're hoping to get some national buzz. Uh, the reason why is uh, Whiskey Experience, all the profits go to charity. Oh, cool. um, it actually helps uh, college scholarships. So uh, you know, of all the events, it's not just you know a money grab. It actually goes to help people you know do good stuff with their life
0: sure so there will actually be a guinness book of world records uh nope that costs too much money oh
1: yeah so basically what you the way this is set up is you submit your paperwork 12 weeks out and then they basically give you a thumbs up or thumbs down and then you have to give them documentation to attempt the record so that that's where i come in where i have to measure everything photograph video all that good stuff
0: even though you're the one doing like
1: Technically, Davis. so David Butter Run, he it's going to be his record. OK. And then I'm just kind of the the,
0: the record adjudicator keeper. adjudicator, yeah, yeah. There wow. Yeah. yeah, I like that word. Thank you. <laughs>
1: but there's all sorts of there's all sorts of ways that they can get money out of you. You can do an express record. You can uh, fly someone out. You can do all this different stuff. You can be included in their book. So like uh, all that stuff is a plus off. We went for the bare minimum.
2: Do you remember when you're a kid and you got that book and you're like, oh my God, this is also cool. I want to be in this. <laughs> you're like. World's largest had book. Had like, f- like a glittery front. And I was like, oh my God.
1: I feel like the glittery front came later. I uh, feel like, you know.
2: Well, you're older. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I had the. Ooh, all I, right, so I'm not. I'm talking to Jesse. Over here. <laughs> I had the uh, the, like the old school paperback, like black and white one. That was yeah. Like, I feel
1: like for a long time it was a very subtle cover, and then maybe they hit like the fiftieth or like the twenty fifth, and they were like, ooh, glitter.
2: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Don't knock over your drink. Uh, Nick, question: <laughs> Where is this event held, and where can people get more information, get tickets? The
1: host. The tables have been turned. Thank um, you. Eastern Market Shed Five. Uh, April twentieth, you can get tickets on Eventbrite. Uh, if you go to the the Facebook page for the event, you can see the link there. Sixty dollars for general admission, eighty dollars for VIP. Again, goes to a charity. The, the prices are actually considerably lower year over year, so take that into account. And hundreds of different whiskeys you can try. You can just drink to explode, you know, within your limits, within
2: legal limits, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Drink responsibly. Small sips. Get, <laughs> get an Uber. Get an Uber. Yep. Get an Uber.
0: Yep. Because there's some real special stuff that's going to be poured. Yeah, that night. so
1: actually, the list is going to come out any second now. Probably by the time this podcast goes live, the list will be out. So,
0: nice, great. Yeah, we could true.
2: break that news
1: <laughs> if, if Dave texts me, I'll break it on air. We'll break it on air.
0: Yeah,
2: <laughs> I, I don't see why we would.
1: It take like twenty minutes to read. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, uh, Nick, I also want to thank you for making these um, fantastic cocktails tonight. Yeah. Um, well, it, you
1: said Matt liked fruity drinks, yes, so yeah, I okay. literally made a drink in a fruit.
2: Yeah, and it's great, and and I don't drink often, so to have this is quite a treat. Well, perfect. Thank There's you.
1: only about a shot and a half of booze in here, so this is um, for the volume. It's a uh, you know easy sipper. What is it? Yeah, I kind of checked it. Oh my god! All I right, know. well I'm out. <laughs> uh, it is uh, plantation original rum, uh, fresh pineapple juice, um, the Coco Lopez Coco logo, Ooh, uh, the the kind of the gooey coconut stuff, and then lime juice. Wow. Cool. It was going to be ginger ale, but I forgot to put it in as I was making it.
0: This is delicious. Thank cool. you, mm-hmm. seriously, thank you. So I feel like this drink, and uh, Matt, I don't know if you guys, uh, you guys still have the slushy machine working over it. Uh, so Camp we Bonny's.
2: actually are moving the slushy machine to our other location because it has a bigger patio. Okay, and um, it gets a larger crowd during the summer. Summertime time in Detroit is not, you know. It, what. It's not jumping. And you up. don't have a patio, right? And Well, we well, have a small one. We have the world's tiniest patio, which will now be a walk-in cooler. What? Yes. Ah. We have hit such a high volume that we need more space.
0: Oh. So we're adding
2: a walk-in cooler in what used to be our 15-person
0: patio. I thought you were going to do like a walk-in cooler. Like people could go and sit in there when it's hot in the summer. <laughs> Like a, like a ice kind of bar fun. type of
2: thing? Like, okay. <laughs> welcome to 42 below. <laughs> right, <there you> <laughs> like, oh, okay. Is okay. this where we get our ears pierced? No. <laughs> no, wrong below, wrong below.
0: Okay, so let's talk about um, Bobcat Bonnie's. You opened in
2: Corktown what year? We opened in Corktown in 2015. All right. Yeah. And so where did the idea for Bobcat Bonnies come from? Uh, the idea came from um, – so I grew up on the west side of the state. And over in the west side of the state, they have um, a lot of restaurants that are culinary focused at a good price point. We find a lot of value and high-quality food at a good price. Um, and I noticed when I moved to Detroit – understand, when I moved to Detroit, I was working at Gold Cash Gold. You know, they were kind of, you know, in essence, and I mean, no disrespect to anybody else. They were kind of starting off what would end up being a great culinary explosion. You know, I mean, Gold Cash Gold opened up, then Chartreuse, um, you know, uh, Seldon, Seldon, uh, Republic and all that stuff. So all these things were happening. And what I noticed is that everybody was announcing these amazing, beautiful restaurants. I mean, you go to Chartreuse. The guy there could like make the craziest thing and it would be so delicious. You would be like blown away. So all these people were opening all these great restaurants and I was like, what about like a place that just has good food at a good price, you know, somewhere late at night? Right here in Corktown, you know, and, and that's kind of where the evolution came from is I noticed all these people were opening high end. And I'm like, well, what about just a step below, you know, not even a step below, but like, you know, maybe a couple steps below. And that's uh, really where we want to exploit the market.
1: And I think also that goes to is you don't have to have the highest end restaurant yeah. to have like really good food. No, I think you can if you take it down a couple steps, not only do more people get to experience it, but they can experience it more often. Right. So I think that is a niche that we struggle with a little bit in Detroit, and I'd love to see more kind of middle-end and low-end that are still putting out high-quality food.
2: Yeah. I mean, and the and the great thing is is that working at Gold Cash Gold under uh, Josh Stockton, who's just an awesome chef, I mean, just super talented – but there were times where you could just tell that there was a disconnect because people didn't understand the food. They didn't understand what this was or what that cooking style was and stuff like that. It, and you almost feel bad because I'm like, those are my people. That's, that's my mom and dad. You know what I mean? Something like that. So, so it really became kind of personal when it was like, okay, I'm sitting there with these people and I'm explaining. And I'm like, it's a fancy way of saying beef. You know what I mean? It's a fancy way of saying steak. <laughs> You know, and what I also noticed was everybody was in a similar vein. So like at one point, like four different restaurants had a burrata, four different restaurants had a terrace major cut. And I was like, they're great. <laughs> uh, but like, where's like the diversity? What's the next? Mm-hmm. You know, like, like I get it. It's all they're they're all of similar mindset and they're all very on point with what's going on in the culinary world. And that's cool. But where's just like. A really good hanger steak. Or, you know, um, I don't know. Fried goat cheese. Fried goat cheese. <laughs> Seems so simple. So okay, so let's talk about the menu then. So y- yeah you, you wrote the menu, right? So our initial menu when we opened was actually wrote by uh, two line cooks who worked for me at Gold Cash Gold. Okay. They had a ton of talent. Um in I Idealistically, I always love the idea of giving an opportunity for somebody who's working as an hourly employee to move their way up. And I saw these two line cooks and I'm like, "God, these guys are talented. Like they know what's going on. All that stuff we met a million times, we talked about it, and it felt like it was a really good fit." And and it was. The menu was great. Um we had some very big struggles and some very big misses. But we had some very big hits. You look at something like the fried goat cheese, which to this day is still one of our number one sellers. Captain Crunch chicken fingers that came from that original menu. What we did notice was some of the stuff that we were doing because we we're hitting a specific target audience with our price and our um, approach. Some of the stuff that we were doing was just a little too out there for them, and it was and it felt give us an for, example, yeah. Um, so, one of the great things that we were doing for brunch, we were doing like a shashushka, and it was great. I mean, it tasted awesome. But people were like, I don't know what this is. I don't know what it is. And so then you explained that it's like an Israeli, you know, almost like an Israeli egg casserole, if you will. Oh. Um, and, 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 People are like, oh, well, that sounds good. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Uh, so, we, so I'm sure people were like, why don't you call it a Nick Yeah, yeah. And 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 we noticed that we were alienating some of our clientele by like doing these things that were considered quote out there. You know, um, over that first year, we had a bunch of bumps. I mean, I can't even tell you how many times it was like, I'm just ready to be done. You know, our first like month open, I was working every day. I got pneumonia. I literally was like sitting on the stairs because I couldn't breathe enough to get up the rest of the stairs. And I'm just like looking at myself and I'm like, why am I doing this? You know, and it was funny because at that point we started making changes that were for the positive people that I was like, oh, my God, I can't lose that person. Don't let that person quit. I'll pay you anything. All of a sudden we would lose that person and things would get better and then we would lose somebody else. And things would get better. And and slowly everybody started to find where they fit in the restaurant. And then we started gaining traction. And then we started like learning what our guest wants. I mean, we would have thrown eight million things against the wall just to see what stuck that first year. So we started figuring out what our guests want, what what our employees want and need. And that's when we started hitting our stride and really developing it. I think sometimes people don't think enough that a restaurant is in essence a small business. Your first year, you are literally working your tail off just to get people to know you're here and know what you're doing and figure out what makes them happy and what makes them excited. And then every year after that, you mature on that. And, and that's really where we're at. We're at this like sweet spot where people know us and trust us to an extent. And 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 we're able to really exploit that and really as we do menu updates do things that are kind of cool and kind of progressive that people are like, Oh yeah, I really, I really respond well to that. So you guys are in the old Oblivions yeah. location, right?
0: So are there any is there anything carried carried over from Oblivions to Bobcat Bonnie's? Yes.
2: So <laughs> Thursdays, the owner used to do uh chicken fingers. Uh it was like his style of chicken fingers. He actually came in and showed our cooks how to do it. And we do his chicken fingers. It's it's the lunch special, the Oblivion's Chicken Fingers. Still the same size chicken, still the same cut, still the same breading and all that stuff. And still sells. And it still sells. You know, our fries are different than his. um, But, you know, we do our house cut fries and stuff like that where I think his were pre-bought. But you got to respect the guy. I mean, for 30 plus years, it was him and one other guy making lunch for people in that big space in that big space every day of the week. So what would happen is on Thursdays, they would have a line and a crowd out the door for these chicken fingers and he would see people come in and immediately drop that many orders. So four people came in four orders of chicken fingers because he knew because he knew they were there for that. Wow. Yeah, it was kind of cool. So so we like doing that. And a lot of the neighborhood folks who used to come in for Oblivions who felt like alienated because we weren't oblivions, really came back and responded well to that
0: and, and so was there was there more than that initial pushback like
2: from oblivions, or was it kind of dying out at the time or you know everybody, and I'm going to cause a little controversy with this statement, everybody has these warm, fuzzy feelings about restaurants like oblivions or or my my trigger, Casey's. Everybody talk. oh my God, Casey's, Casey's, Casey's. Casey's, Casey's is the next order to you. Yes. Don't know. Casey's was there. It, it, they had a, a great burger, all that stuff. But what people forget is, is that while you have those warm, fuzzy feelings, it wasn't bringing you in enough to support them. So, so as you know, Corktown started to develop and change, so did the clientele. So so a place like Oblivion's that had been there for 30 years was no longer what people were looking for. Same thing with Casey's, same thing with Corktown Tavern. Everybody, every time we announce anything, they're like, oh, bring back Casey's, bring back that burger. Even if I did that burger exactly to a T, how they used to do it, you would still complain that it wasn't right because the feeling was it was Casey's. And you were there.
1: It's also like a nostalgia thing. So it's yeah. like I constantly miss my G.I. Joe's. I all the time think about I'm going to go on eBay. I'm going to buy them all. And then what am I going to do? I'm going to look at them. I'm going to put them up on a shelf and I'm never going to touch them again. Yeah. I feel like they'd be the same way with Casey's. It'd be like, OK, it's back. You get your burger, you eat it. You never come there again for six months.
2: Yeah. So and that was totally the problem. Everybody was so outraged that Casey's was closing and. My God, this guy wants to put a taco place here. How crazy is that? But what they forgot is is well, when was the last time you we were at Casey's? You know, you would talk to the owner of Casey's, uh, who her and I became pretty close, and she was like, I love these comments, but where were these people last month, two months ago, mm-hmm. six months ago when I was struggling? You know, everybody wants it to stay the same. They don't want it to change, but there's not enough of that feeling to support the mm-hmm. business. You know, I see it all the time with Corktown Tavern. They go through a multitude of ownership changes as people try to figure it out. And people are like, Oh, you're gentrifying. It's awful. Yada, yada, yada. You're changing our neighborhood. It's like, then be, be there and be Mm -hmm. supportive so that, that, that business can be viable, you know?
0: Well, and I think the, the, the point here is that these are businesses that have to pay to, for pay people to work there. Yes. Pay to keep the lights on. Yes. Um, And and so stuff is
1: going to change. Stuff is always in flux. People's tastes are changing. People move in, people move out. It can't stay the same
0: forever. And owners lose passion. Yeah, I mean, they die. They they die. Yeah, there's a number of mitigating factors here, and and the fact that, like, um, you know, of course, your your favorite place closes. You want that? You want it to stick around? You, you, you have that feeling of nostalgia, like you said. So buy
1: it and do it yourself.
2: Yeah, Uh, yeah, and try to make it work. Right. (laughs) And as everybody hates you because you're not that place, <laughs> try to explain to them, well, I'm just trying to do my best. Right. You know, I, I, we got a ton of flack about trying to open a taco place. What people didn't realize was before we wanted to do taco, while it was still Casey's, while they were still struggling, we wanted to give people a chance to get in there and finish up. So like what a lot of people don't know is, is while you're ripping me to shreds online, just so you know, that beer that's there, that was covered by me. That drink that was there, that was covered by me. If it was up to the original owner, the doors would have been closed. There would have been no announcement and we would have moved on. But I just didn't think that was fair to the staff. I didn't think that was fair to the clientele and stuff like that. So, so while these people are making these amazing comments about how awful I am and all that stuff, it's just so funny to me because I'm like, you're coming in and you're enjoying and you're getting a good drink and all that stuff, just so you know. I'm doing that for you because I want you to have that closure. I want you to have that last minute feeling. And I want to make sure, even more importantly, that we're taking care of the staff. I get in a lot of trouble because I put staff and staff issues first because I've been there. I've been that bartender. I've been that server. I've been that manager. And I see how staff can get treated. And I've always done this. And it's gotten me in trouble at every job because I always think about the staff before I necessarily think about the business. And gets me... In trouble every time. <laughs> so l- let's follow this line of thought a little further and, and talk about
0: the Wyandot location. You opened that back in February of 2017 for the first time. Yes, right. And so that was another issue where you went into a place, yeah. and took over a previous business. Obli- right. Was Oblivion's closed when you took it over? Or ha- has it? Yeah. So okay. Oblivion's had been closed for about a year and a half, two years. Okay, but Bourbons and Wyandot. <gasps> It was Bourbons, right? That was yes. the name. Okay, they were still open. Yes. Right? Okay.
2: So back in February 2017, how to lay lay the groundwork So prior to that, uh, we had some the owners from Bourbons had come to Bobcat Bonnies. We had some mutual acquaintances and stuff like that, and they really liked the concept. And what happens sometimes is is you you go forth with your passion, and sometimes it doesn't work. Sometimes it doesn't land with people. So. So you have a couple who is going forth and being like, We're gonna do this concept bourbon. We're gonna focus on bourbons, we're gonna make some martinis, and we're gonna do like a Creole Bayou style menu. Okay, great, cool. Execute it, execute it well. What year was this? Um I don't know when they opened. Okay. Like uh, well, actually it would it would have been 2000s? about twenty fourteen. Oh, so very were, recent. Yeah, so I think they were open for about three years. Okay. Um and, and what happened was you know, there's two things that people always think they can do with no experience. Open a bar or restaurant or become the governor of the state of Michigan. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> they don't have any experience doing either, but they think they can do it. Right. You know, and and, and and it makes a great opportunity for me because when you fail, I'll take it over. <laughs> um, but but what happens is, is that, you know, they came in. Everybody thinks it's so great to open a bar and a restaurant. It, and it's tough because this couple had kids they had kids who were going and doing a bunch of things soccer all that stuff you know so they're busy with that they're trying to live their life they're trying to run this restaurant they have other jobs and stuff and so all of a sudden you find yourself in a predicament where your sales aren't great your service isn't great and and the place becomes a depression where where you just feel like you're stuck in that depressing hole and i think that's where they had gotten so when they had started talking to us they're like oh we like the concept we like what you guys do we think it would fit really well down here Let's team up and figure out a way to make something happen. And a part of my foolishness is, is I'm a sucker for a story. I'm a sucker for supporting people. I'm a sucker for like, you give me a good story and I'm like in tears. You know what I mean? I'm like, yeah, I'll do whatever to help you out. I'm that way with employees, with people, all that stuff. Um, so I felt bad because I felt like you guys had worked so hard. And it's not turning out. And and I know that feeling of like, we're not making it. It's not happening. I felt that for the first six months of Bobcat Bonnies. And I know how much stress that puts on our relationship and friendships and everything. The smallest thing sets you off because you're so unhappy and you're so nervous about everything that's happening. So I understood that and I wanted to step in and I wanted to help out. And and that's where really where we went. And it wasn't it wasn't spelled out as well as it should have been. There was a lot of communication from our end because I also hate surprises. So if all of a sudden you walk in and I like bought a new draft system and you're like, how the heck are we gonna pay for this? I hate stuff like that. I don't I don't want questions. I don't want surprises and stuff. So we spelled out a lot of things and when they agreed to our terms in essence, um, we were like, all right, this is great. A great opportunity to expand the brand and a great community. This couple seems awesome. And 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 we really went gung ho in all four. I mean, Joe. I mean, you were you were the person I was talking to a lot about it. And and um, you know, we we you. I mean, I think you even warned me like <laughs> 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 proceed with like <laughs> excitement, but caution. Make sure you're and 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 I proceeded wholeheartedly. Like, yeah, we're gonna do this. This is gonna rock. Um, and that's how I approach a lot of things. I'm like, yeah. I could take this hole in the wall and make it a million dollars, you know. It's like I always think I can fix stuff.
1: So remind me, where did, yeah. did Red Corridor come before that or after that? <laughs> huh. Well, no, just from a timeline, we don't have to. I'm I sorry, know, I'd love to dive in, <laughs>
2: but was um, that that was it? After. Was actually happening at about the same time, it? and that's okay. why the Red Corridor ended up being a blip on the map. Um, not as much th- of a blip as Hoffa's hideout. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I don't know anything about that. <laughs> Red Corridor wasn't his though. Let's let's not let's. I so don't, don't. when oh. we got so, when we got a bunch of feedback about the taco concept, um and people weren't thrilled, I had a partner at the time at Corktown, not a partner I shouldn't say um a server who became a manager and and in that process of moving up and then wanted to buy into Bobcat Bonnie's in that process of moving up, I don't know what was going on, but as sometimes people move up into that managerial role. Their personalities change. Ooh. So no longer are you just carefree server who's coming in, making tips, rolling somewhere, getting out. It's like, okay, well, now you got to do inventory. Now you got to count the money. Now you got to close the place. Now you got to have those hard conversations with people. And and I think in that in that environment, it became too much. So what was happening is, is I had somebody that I was working with who went from being a close friend to, you know, always fighting with me about everything. And everything was a you know, who's the bigger man competition and all that stuff. And it was just, it was exhausting. So we had this opportunity in Wyandotte. We were going to do Casey's next door and make it to the taco place. And it just fell in our lap that these people in Wyandotte were like, you should come here and do this. And I had to make a decision, which one was I going to do? And I felt I knew Bobcat at the time. And I had the structure in place to do another Bobcat. And I didn't know if I was ready to jump in to a and whole brand new thing. To a whole brand new thing with somebody who I'm having an immense amount of conflict with, somebody who I'm constantly having to bring back from the cliff. People forget that restaurants are very like high emotion. Mm-hmm. You know, you'd almost think we're doing brain surgery. But, you know, we would have these conflicts and it would just become a thing and it would drag me down and it, it just became too much. So so it seemed like a good opportunity. Hey, we're gonna go and why not? You go ahead. Thank you. You've worked for me for a year. Plus, you've done a great job. I just don't think this is going to work out. You go ahead and you do your own thing next door. I will give you the recipes for the taco because they were very behind the taco concept. I'll give you the recipes. I'll give you the recipes for the margaritas. I'll even come in and train. I just don't want to be a part of it because I just think that this is never going to work and we're never going to find equal equal ground. Were you just a silent partner at that point or? I was willing to. But then all of a sudden the opening got delayed and delayed and delayed and communication got worse and and feelings got more tense. And all of a sudden it was like, yeah, we're going to go our own way. So you figure it out. Um, And then. Every employee that I had terminated started showing up and working there. So I was just like, oh, this is so awkward. So he had a Rolodex of like
0: yeah. old empl- Okay,
2: Yeah. It, it, and there was a lot of friendships. You know, one of the great things about our restaurant is, is that everybody really does genuinely get along. They all hang out together. They all drink together. They all go out to dinner together and stuff. So that's kind of a cool thing, except for when one person has to be let go. You know, it's generally because of their own situation, because I hate firing people. It's the last thing I want to do, especially when I spend so much time getting to know these people, building into these people. It's like all of a sudden I, I I take into consideration, oh, you have kids and I've met your kids and they're great and you're sweet and I like your significant other and all that stuff. And I'm like, oh, and now I'm taking away your income. You know, it sucks. Uh, so the red quarter started being all of my ex-employees. And it just it killed my spirit. You know, there's a sense of karma to the situation, where it's like when you go and open a business just to take on or try to take out somebody else, you're opening the business for the wrong reason. Wait, so you think they went with that mission
1: to kind of get back to you?
2: They it was it was very candidly spoke about. Wow, it it, what there. I, I'm not kidding. You can ask every single one of my staff members. There wasn't a question about what the goal was. The goal was, we're going to bring back these people. We're going to come after Bob Bunnies. There had gotten a point where they had started to do a Sunday brunch, which we were very well known for, where they were putting signs on their car, parking them next to our building that said, Arrow this way. and And I think... I think did I send you a picture of that one Sunday because I was like, what do I do? Like, how do I come back? Oh, yeah, this? I, I think you
0: were, you were going to take legal action, which I don't know. I mean, don't know if yeah. you did or whatever. Well, happened. I mean, everybody's going to take legal action when they're mad. <laughs> right. Yeah, well, right. I'm going to sue right. you. It's like, all right, what are you, the president? You know what I mean? It's like, oh, okay. No, I mean, even in their messaging, like when they when they opened and like the the, the kind of like the crass kind of yeah um, language they would use, and the, their menu was all. Uh, questionably yeah. worded um it's questionably seemed like, spelled well, <laughs> right that as well but it seemed like they were like uh functioning as like the opposite of bob so bobcat bonnie's is family friendly bobcat bonnie's is you know you, you welcome everyone and this is like yeah. if you don't basically their their mantra was like if you don't like it fuck you and yeah. i think like there
2: was even like a oh, was that when, was even yo, what was, what was ended the up- drink
1: there was a drink or there was a a, there a, was the
2: basic bitch salad. That was something like that. And then yeah. they had done these flavored shots that were like, that were like, just obscene. I mean, it was like it was like pussy tickler or like you know just like they they were just gross. And 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 they were trying. So what had happened? Shock was, value. Yeah, they right. were looking for that shock value. They were looking to get attention. And the thing that sucks is is that the guy who came up with it. He fit Bobcat Bonnie's. He fit what we were going for. He loved it and, and thrived in it so much so that he wanted to buy into it because of what it was. And now all of a sudden he's betraying who he is. It's like me all of a sudden trying to open a fine dining place. They'd be like, uh, how do you fit into this? Because this isn't who you are. When you walk into Bobcat Bonnie's, knowing me like you guys do, You could look around and be like, yeah, I see Matt in this. Yeah, I see Matt in the menu. I see Matt in the drinks. It's kind of, you know, I see it in the setting and all that stuff. That's how you got to do your business. You know, you got to do your business with your passion and, and being genuine to who you are. So when you're trying to be this big, tough Detroit bar who's like, F you and blah, 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 and all that stuff, and that's not who you are. People see through that. You know, there's some Detroit bars who are like that. You know, you go in and they're like big and tough and you're like, okay. This is what you are. It works and it fits you. This was just it, it, it was just discombobulated, you know? Um, and it was it was a really dark time. I mean, I I went through it just felt like we were hitting our stride, and then all of a sudden, like a spiteful employee was opening a restaurant next to us, and it just created so much conflict. And it got to a point where it was like, we share a parking lot that we have. And it's like, okay, well, I gotta let you use the parking lot. You know, I'm not gonna be a jerk. And then every time I see you, it's like you flip me off. You know, you, you you throw away a giant piece of refrigeration equipment in my dumpster. And then you are mad because I'm frustrated because the people won't pick it up. You know what I mean? They're like, "Uh, is this your refrigerator in here? And I'm like, yeah, no, it's not. And they're like, well, until it's removed, we're not picking up your trash. You know, I mean, and then there was just like silly like – You know, there was just silly issues like Facebook comments and then like, you know, the owner's, you know, daytime job, their bosses were like giving us bad reviews and stuff. So we just got rid of our review section on Facebook because I was so sick of deleting them. And it just it just gotten so silly. They took trash one busy Friday and put it in front of our back door because they thought we put trash in one of their dumpster's. So I had to, like, show them on camera that it wasn't us. And I'm like, this is just so dumb. You know what I mean? And it just made it so tense and, like, crappy. And and the thing that sucks is, is if it wouldn't have been that way, I would have been so affable to help because at the time there wasn't bad blood. There wasn't, you know, none of this stuff had happened. You hadn't cussed me out in the parking lot. You didn't do any of the other crazy stuff that you've done. You know, I would have helped you out if you would have been like, hey, listen, this isn't working. Like I want to, I want to find a way to make this work, you know? And, and it was just, there's too much pride and too much. I'm going to take you down and, and, and too much, just like not being genuine to who you are. And, and it failed, you know, it didn't even last a year. And, and, and it sucks because like part of me is like, yeah, good riddance. And then the other part of me is like, crap, they put a lot of money into that Mm -hmm. and they put a lot of effort into that. And again, it goes back to that feeling of like, you're not succeeding. So that's stressing out your relationships, it's stressing everything out. You put money in. You don't know if you're getting money out. It's it's an insecurity that and, – and so part of me is like, ah, good riddance. Then the other part of me is like, well, shit. I really wish I would have been able to help. You know, I really wish it wouldn't have gotten to a point where if I would have given a suggestion, it would have been like, fuck you. You're wrong, blah, blah, blah. We know everything. <laughs> it's like you know everything, but yet you're not busy, You, you and you're in a prime spot. I mean, Corktown – I mean, Cork you can't get any better, you know? So it was unfortunate.
0: Okay. So you, you open in Wyandotte. Mm-hmm. Okay. So then you, lots of great press, lots of yeah. happy people in Wyandotte. I, I, I think Wyandotte, for for, um, for what little I know about it, like they, they needed a concept like Bobcat Bonnie. So would you have yeah. that?
2: Yeah, because uh, it's unique. You got all of these amazing – you really do got an amazing collection of bars and restaurants in Wyandotte. You got the Mitten Pub, which is our neighbor's, which we're really close with. They do beer. The is no beer. They're good people. It's a great little spot. Our main competition, what people don't know is our main competition is also a close friend of mine. So it's like they're like, you must hate him. And I'm like – Actually, jokes on you. He like did a huge, giant interview for our travel channel show. Like, I mean, it's kind of like we get along real well. We hang out, we talk, we text, all that stuff. And, and you can he, be
1: competitive and not hate the person.
2: Yeah. I feel like. Yeah. Because you can stay respectful. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not all of a sudden going to try to not be who I am because I'm trying to compete with whiskeys on the water. You know, they do this awesome, like, Thursday night steakhouse menu. It's amazing. You won't see us do that because it's like, I respect what you're doing. You also won't see them do a Wednesday night trivia. That's what we do. You know what I mean? So there's a respectfulness to it. And and the great thing is, is because we're respectful of each other, because we get along so well, it really helps us all out. When we closed, the thing that we heard from every single person that was in Wyandotte, who owned a restaurant or a business was that people were starting to leave. There has to be enough of a cachet to keep people mm-hmm. in town. And when there's not, people leave and they go to find whatever they are looking for. So when we closed, people were leaving. And what, it's, why did you close? We closed because of a lack of. Hmm. We closed because of a lack of understanding and a lack of commitment. You know, when you walk up to somebody and you say, "Hey, it's going to be 6 months before we see a real big profit because here's the thing. Why a small town, we need to knock it out of the park." So we're going to be overstaffed. We're going to have more than enough food and beverage because if we run out, that is the first impression that they have. Mm-hmm. If we give bad service, we're coming into town and everybody's ripping us to shreds because they're like, it's nothing like the Corktown location. You know, stuff like that. So, so that was spelled out very clearly. And sometimes people see busyness and they think automatically, oh my God, they must be pretty money. What they don't realize is is that everything that's associated with that. Well, it took us 20 grand just to get open to change it and remodel it and all that stuff. And then we have to pay staff and we have to do this and we have to order and all that stuff. So people saw how busy we were and, and our partners were like, Oh my God, it's so busy. Cause they had, they hadn't seen that kind of sales number and they just didn't understand like, well, it's so busy. Why aren't we just like printing money? Why can't we just go spending all willy nilly? Why do we have to stick to like a budget and a plan and all that stuff? And it's like, because this is how we build a successful long-term restaurant. I'm not in it for the short term. This isn't a nightclub. I can't just quick open up, make a couple bucks, and call it a day. This is a restaurant. You know, we have to have that longevity. So we have to do it right. We have to make sure that we have enough. And the, we have enough people. And everybody's taken care of and happy. And they didn't understand that. And and the thing that sucked is is as much as we were open and honest and transparent, they hated it. And and part of the problem was they hated it because they didn't understand the su-
0: – And the hey, the the, the, the the they that you're talking about is the, your partners.
2: Yes. Okay. And, and, and they thought it was silly and stupid and, well, how can you be so busy and you're just selling tater tots? And it's like, well, who cares what we're selling? We're busy. People are happy and people are responding well to it. So who cares if it's tater tots, if it's french fries, if it's like – Shrimp scampi. I don't care what I got to sell. If people like it and we're taking care of people and we're busy and we're providing people with a great job and all that stuff. It's like that's what's important. Like I'm not in the business. If you told me tomorrow that I would make a million dollars off of selling, you know, tinfoil steak, I'd do tinfoil steak every day of the week. If it makes people happy, everybody's jumping at it. It's making us busy. It's providing for people. Fine. I don't I have no qualms. I have no big stigma or anything. I'll sell anything. I really don't care. <laughs> um but you know, they I and I think there was a sense of like, dang, we worked three years at this and couldn't make it work. And this dude comes in for three months. He's high strung, he's here all the time, he never lets loose, he never like has a drink and stuff like that. And it was just a cultural like mismatch between us because there was just like this sense of like frustration and jealousy all the time. And it was like, we're in this together, you know, like there isn't a moment in my career where it hasn't been a, like a full team effort, you know? And and that's what this was. And it's like, well, half of our team is doing whatever the hell they want. The other half is, is the next day saying, Hey, okay, that's fine. Let's try – we need to try this and we need to go this direction. And and when you do something like that, you need to let us know because it's important because we're operating the restaurant. And so when everything started to get to a close, we had been given a heads up by um, a local restaurant that had been shown the space while we were closed one day. And so this person called and talked to me and was like, hey, just a heads up. Your partners are showing the space just so you know. And it was like, okay, so that that happened. And then the lady at the bank called like the day we closed and was like, hey, just so you know, they canceled your like authorization to like sign checks, you know, use the card, all that stuff. They're like, just as a heads up. And I'm like, oh, God, I'm like, you know, it's like we had 30 emails and we're like, here's our options. Option one, you sell to us. We continue on, which is what we want. We'll work with you on price. We'll work with you on all this stuff. You know our numbers. You know what we're doing. It'll, it'll all, it's all transparent. There's, there's no, nobody should feel like they're getting not a good deal because it's all right there in the point of sale system. You know, you can see how much we're pulling in, you know, our costs, you know what we do, all that stuff. So it, it shouldn't be a big surprise. So there's that option. There's also the option where we just take our ball home and leave. Um, and, and it's like, okay, well, if we do that, we want to wind down because we think it's important for our guests. We think it's even more important for the staff. 'Cause at the same time you have all these restaurants that are closing. They don't get the staff a heads up. You know, Max and Irma's closed like eighty locations and they're like, mm, sorry. There's a sign on the door. Yeah. Like and they're like, Well, don't call us, we'll call you. <laughs> um so you know, it gets a little frustrating. So that's what we want to do. And and instead, again, instead of it being communicated and a team effort, which is our, our our whole crux of our problem, all of a sudden it's like they come in, they tell the staff we're have going in a different direction. They fire a bunch of the staff, and, and and then just kick us out. And I'm like, what? Like, how is this like okay? And like, and and then and then the gull that they feel when like they start like figuring out what they're gonna do next and stuff like that. And they're reaching out to these people and like, hey, we want to bring you back. And you're like, wait, you just kicked mm-hmm. out our boss that we liked. We didn't like dealing with you, and so you kicked out the boss that we like. Now you're telling us everything's changing. You fired half of our friends who like work hard and like you want us to come back. It's like you didn't make it the first time. So there's no incentive for me to come back. Like you're not going to make it the second time, especially after you just pulled all that crap. So so a lot of people ended up coming to our Corktown location. We brought in as many of the staff as we could. Anybody who wanted to come to Corktown and work. They could come to Cork down work. From Wyandotte. From Wyandotte. Okay. Every, every single one. And then the ones who didn't, like, there were some exclusions where it's like, hey, I don't have a driver's license. You know, I got to work in town. I'm not kidding you. I reached out to every business down there to find these people a spot. I reached out to the owner at Whiskey's on the Water. I reached out to the owner at the Wyandotte Bistro. I reached out to everybody being like, please, take my people. They're great. You, like, I mean, you just can't do stuff like that. You can't just, like take away somebody's income and job without like giving them a heads up, you know? And so it it, it sucked. Um, And all of a sudden we're out and, and you know, our statement as to why we're leaving was very well thought out and very like well reread and stuff like that. And, and it wasn't pointing fingers. It wasn't like, Hey, we hate you. There was no malice. It was like, Hey, we closed. It sucks. We don't want to go. Our landlord's been great. The city's been great. Our sales are good. The space is great, but it's just not working with our partners. I mean, what I wanted to say was our partners are like not working with us. They kicked us out. They've done a bunch of like underhanded crap. And like here I am holding the bag and like making excuses and trying and like overstaffing my other location, completely killing any profits that we have because I'm like, yeah, on a Friday night, I have six cooks. Well, I only need three. You know, but I'm like, what am I going to do? Like, I can't let these people just go, you know? So it just kind of sucked, you know, the situation. And it was discouraging because it felt like a big failure. But then, like, the more I thought about it, it's like, well, it's not a failure on your part, dude. Like, you can only do so much, but you still feel like you failed. But then December comes along and you reopen Y and Dot. So what happened was – see, what happened? Chapter 17. No, oh, wait, no. Not Matt. Chapter 18. Yeah. Matt's book on opening and closing yeah. restaurants <laughs> in within a few months. Um, so what happened was they – so the gentleman who actually called me to give me the heads up actually was the guy who took the space. So, like, it was – oops. Too close to the microphone <laughs> um so like what was what was like ironic is this he's like, hey just so you know heads up these guys are trying to and then it's like oh dot 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 but I'm the one who's gonna take over the space so uh they tried a concept uh for about three four weeks and it didn't even you know and i'm 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 candid so so when we closed it was the middle of the summer and we were doing almost about 30 grand a week great. And why not that's awesome? you know, especially with our overhead and our costs, you know it it, it works really well. They weren't even scratching three thousand. you know, like part of the rush was that they forgot to take us off the point of sale system, so nightly we were getting emails, <laughs> and it was like, "Oh, Friday night, you did two hundred dollars in sales. <laughs> that's <laughs> awful. We would have done like ten thousand. you know how, how did they rebrand that quickly? Um, they painted over our logo, okay, and they changed a few of the colored lights, okay. And then put pa- paper signs on the door. All right. So it went from Bobcat Bonnie's to Big Blue Supper Club. Mm. Okay. The menu read like um a Chuck Mirror restaurant in like the late eighties. <laughs> um it was like seafood and pasta and like like chicken salad six ways, <laughs> like One with a salad, one on a sandwich, and one like in a stuffed pepper or something. (laughs) I mean, it was just – it wasn't – see, the problem was it wasn't what the – what. it it wasn't even attracted to people and why not? They were like, no. First off, you take our concept that we like away and then you give us this BS? Like, come on. Get Mm -hmm. out of here. People were very upset. I mean, it became a gigantic story for the people who were writing about it. Like – like we got to have a lot of press because they were like, well, crap, if I write about it, it's like take it off like wildfire. So like if I can write an update about the story, you know, it's going to get shared, you know, a thousand times on Facebook, you know, and there's going to be, you know, six, seven hundred comments on it and stuff like that, you know, which is insane. If you think about a restaurant in Wyandotte, you know, that's that's huge. That's huge traffic for anybody. Um, So that's traffic for anybody anywhere. Yeah, not just period. Wyandotte. That's, yeah. That's, yeah. Yeah, I mean, we're a little rinky-dink restaurant, and it's it's shared over, you know, like 2,000 times, and it has, like, 1,000 comments that I can just see. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Not alone, like, the comments from people. So people were really, like, nice and kind and responsive to us. So what happened was, after Big Blue Supper Club's big success, um, (laughs) I know, I'm so shady, I'm sorry. (laughs) Um, After that had happened, um, it didn't work out. And 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 so it became, hey, let's try to find somebody to come in and, and do kind of like what Matt was doing. And and nobody was biting. At this point, it had been now five restaurants, including Bobcat Bonnie's, which was successful, that closed. Then you opened up another restaurant, which would be number six, that closed. And so people think that the space is cursed. And they're like, No, if you can't make it work with Bobcat, if you can't make it work with all the other places that are here, it's not gonna work. Mm-hmm. So so people were turning it down left and right and What happened was they reached out to the landlord and they're like, listen, this isn't working. We need to figure out a plan on how to exit, on how to get a discount or whatever. The landlord's like, no, (laughs) I have somebody who will buy it tonight. Like, you tell me your price and I will have an answer to you by tomorrow morning. So they said the price, made the deal, got everything agreed upon, and then it came out that it was Bobcat Bonnie's. You know, and at that point it was like, we're so worn down. This has been a muddy pit for us. Fine, who cares? Like you guys win, so so after being closed for like two to three months, all of a sudden we're back in the space, which was great. We already knew the space, we already knew what was there, our plates were still there. Um, you know, <laughs> you, all you the, tore it on the paper. The <laughs> yes, yes, and the logo was gone, but it, it it seemed like it would be an easy conversion. All the details of the deal were done, it, and it was hey, we're buying it from you. Not we're partnering up right. with you. So, so that like, you know, variable of like, ooh, what's going to happen was already gone. Like, we're pretty consistent as is. So, so that, that really helped and that made it good. And, and then we threw some like fun little things in the like agreement, like, hey, you know what? Let's have a cooling off period. Just don't come here for 90 days, mm-hmm. you know, just, just so we can gain some traction. Feelings can become less strong. We can all move on. And, and then when we see you in 90 days, it'll be happier. Everybody will – it won't feel so raw, you know? Is that like almost like a restraining order? Mm-hmm. It's almost like <laughs> – it's not you. It's me. <laughs> um, no, But like what happened – yeah, I mean not a restraining order. Just like an agreement, agreement of like yeah. – Yeah, like hey, listen. Like a lot of stuff happened. A lot of words were said. Emotions and feelings are high. Sure. And we want to have a clean slate and we want to come back and we want to knock it out of the park. And we can't do that if – if the ghost of bourbons is still haunting the sure. halls. You know what I mean? So so we did that, and when we reopened, oh, my God, it was awesome. Like, people were so happy and nice and just – I'm not kidding. You, for, like, the first month, I would check on tables, and they'd be like, oh, my God, thank you so much for coming back. I'm like, thank you for waiting a half hour. And then, like <laughs> – Thank you for, like, hooking my server up with, like, a 50% tip. Like, the girls were like, we need to close restaurants more often. <laughs> like, like you know, because, like, all of a sudden you come back and it's like everybody's happy and they're excited. And, and, and we really now since it was ours, we could do it our way. There was no restrictions. And it has been – to say that it has been a success is an understatement. I mean it has been amazing for us. And it just feels so good after all the trials and turbulations and headaches and – you know, BS and comments and hurt feelings to like open up and just be like happy and it's ours and everybody feels great. And the, and most of the crew came back. I mean, I would say maybe five or six people didn't come back and only one was somebody that we're like, eh, we don't we don't want you to come back because because there was some conflicts there. It's like you're still attached to the whole bourbons thing and we really want a clean slate. It's not you, and we don't dislike you. We like you a lot. It's just we need to move forward, and like we can't do that if we're still stuck in the past. Yeah.
0: Let's talk about your hiring philosophy for a little bit, because I think um, you you mentioned your employees a lot mm-hmm. uh, over the course of the last hour that we've been talking. Yeah. Let's talk about that. Where did that? Where did your hiring philosophy come from? Um, how much?
2: It sounds like you invest in your employees more than just like turn and burn on them. Yeah, um, I think it's important to work with people that you like. And I also think it's important to get people who think differently from you but can find their own path in the restaurant. It's really hard when you come in a restaurant and you're new and there's all that and you're screwing things up and everybody's mad at you because it's busy and you're just trying to figure it out. It sucks even more when it's like, mm, I just don't fit in. So, so my whole hiring thing is this, it's conversational. There is no big checklist of anything. It's like, generally I want to know about you. I want to have a conversation. I want to get a feel because I know our staff at this point pretty well. I mean, I am dating one of them. (laughs) Um, And he has helped us create Bobcat bodies, which has been amazing. Um, So, so I understand them pretty well and I understand what it takes to, to work at a Bobcat bodies, you know, um, in Corktown, you get eaten alive. I mean, that brunch is no joke. Like, we can't train you to just constantly get your butt kicked. So, so so you have to you have to find the right person and the personality for it. Um, so it's it's very conversational. If I was interviewing you, hey, how you doing? blah, blah, blah. Uh, you know, I want to hear you describe a menu item. So I say, Something that you've cooked yourself or something that you've cooked or served at another restaurant. Describe it to me like I know nothing about it. Go through it just like you would have guessed because I want to hear them sell me. I want to hear how they describe it. If it's like, yeah, it's chicken. It comes on some kind of noodle with uh, like a creamy sauce.
1: <laughs> and a bell pepper. Yeah. <laughs>
2: it's chicken salad. It comes four ways. <laughs> we're a supper club it's like oh okay right i got it okay um thank you so much yeah so so that or or like what i really love is is just so you know when you're looking for a server everybody will be qualified to be a bartender and none of them will be qualified Mm -hmm. to be a server so you you say hey i'm looking for a server yeah are you looking for a bartender yeah okay okay let's 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 go down this path okay
1: does the reverse happen (laughs) <laughs> no, when you're looking, no.
2: No, nobody's ever like, I'm a bartender, but I want to be a server. Um, everybody wants to be a bartender. There's it's just it's just the best job in the restaurant. Um, besides the owner, which is really the best job. Um so what happened was was the people would come in and they'd be like, I want to be a bartender. I'd be like, okay, tell me how you would make a margarita. Mm. Okay. Bourbon. Oh, fuck. No. <laughs> no, no. And and so here's the thing. I'm like, ah. Oh. Dang, close. Um, you know, and, and so what I'll do is, is I, I think to myself, okay, well, maybe they don't know cocktails. Maybe they don't know liquor that well. Fair. Fair. Maybe they're more of a, a beer snob, if you will. Okay. <laughs> Tell me what your favorite beer to drink is. Well, I really like Bud Light.
1: <laughs> Oof. So they're wine guys.
2: Okay. <laughs> yeah. No, I I'm I'm not kidding you. Nick, if you were to interview with me, that is my next question. <laughs> Tell me... Your favorite wine and what you like about it. Well, I don't really drink wine, or or like, well, I like a California Shard. <laughs> I'm sorry, what? Uh. I'm like you and my mom <laughs> and my grandma. You guys are all insane. Um, so so like everybody comes by and they're all a bartender. Yeah, all right. Uh, and then when you ask them about simple basic bartending stuff, and they're like, no, I don't know anything about it. It's like, all right let's talk about you serving and and then i approach it in a nice way cuz i also hate feeling making people feel embarrassed so then i approach it in a nice way hey i don't think you would be a bartender we do a lot of volume of bar you have to have a stronger knowledge of this let's check out being a server you know that's that's kind of a base of like hey okay you know stuff like that or or if they don't if i don't feel like they have the like energy or the passion to be a server it's like okay let's start you out host and food runner and, and let's go from there. You'll learn the table numbers, you'll learn the food and all that stuff. Which is the best way? If you yeah. want to be a bartender, go be a barback,
1: because either a) you're going to learn you hate it, or yeah. b) you're going to learn a ton of stuff, which will prepare you
2: to be a bartender, like the bourbon margarita recipe. You know what? That could be the next hot thing. <laughs> you never know. Um, you know, no, I think it's a great way. I mean, I started out started out as like the coolest kid at the Olive Garden. Um, you know, like I was a host. <laughs> And then I went from like hosting and I was like, Oh, I'll totally be a cook. And I made like the salads and it was like, I was the only like white kid back there, which was like actually kind of fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, uh, like they showed me everything. They're like, no, no, no. This is how we do it. I'm like, all right. Okay, let's do this. Uh, and so it was great. You got to start somewhere. Mm-hmm. And, and a lot of people like to jump in. Unfortunately, like that's not realistic unless you're a chain. If you're a chain. Yeah. Okay. You can start out with no experience. Uh, it, there are times where it's like if I have a strong crew, I could hire somebody without experience who's just a great person, great personality. I'm like, oh, you could be a good fit because I know I have Joe and Nick, and they're super strong servers. So if a busy Friday night happens, they can pick up. Mm-hmm. While you're still, you know, gaining your traction and learning. My partner was that way. He had never worked at a restaurant before, so so it was a, a full two weeks of training. Which sounds, you know, aggressive, but it's like you gotta really learn. And then it's a small section; it's two, three tables. That way, it's it's controlled. You yeah. don't feel overwhelmed. You don't feel like, oh my god, I gotta be everything for everybody. And you start learning through mistakes of like, oh, well, I could have brought this all out on a tray, and I could have done this, and all that stuff. And and now, dare I say, I mean, I'm a little, you know, partial, but dare <laughs> okay. I say, I mean, he is one of our stronger servers. People want him. People come in. They're Girls leave numbers. It's like, oh, okay. You must be really good. Um, but I feel like yeah.
1: you at least have to have the charisma or the personality or yeah. something. You need something to work with. And then because you if get you like nothing. You're kind of like, all right. Mm. <laughs> yeah.
2: You know, we had a server who was, you know, executionally great. Personality a dud. Like, and it sucked because it's like, I just need you to smile. I mm. need you. I need you to like feel like you care. They don't have to be the best thing that's ever happened to you all day. But you need to make them feel like they are, Mm -hmm. you know, and then you have a server like me who's like, I could work anywhere. You show me a menu. I'm making I'm making the same damn jokes. I'm like, ladies, these waters are on me, you know, (laughs) or if like I remember my younger years, I worked at like a a, like a like a sports bar. I'd be all big and tough. I'd be like, hey, guys, what's going on? My name's matt there's sports on the tv we got miller Lite pitchers for 2.99 yep that girl behind me she's real fancy and cute that's how we talk right guys love hearing yeah. girls are fancy and cute yeah i'm, I'm sure it's straight guys love that it's how they talk to each other that's exactly right i hit the She's so knife. fancy she's so fancy yeah and then their like girlfriends would show up and be like girl oh my god you need to dump him like he is trash you should have heard how he called that other girl fancy shit kick him to the curb and then they're all like confused they're like wait what happened to the straight guy who was talking sports
1: wait which table are you hold on let me go back to that voice hold on wait
0: yeah okay Two two locations of
2: Bobcat Bonnie's. What's next for Bobcat Bonnie's? Oh, yeah. Where's the
0: third location?
2: So we um, have gotten a lot of people who reach out, and I feel so bad for Joe because I always reach out with every opportunity to get his like his thoughts and ideas, and understand. I think every opportunity's golden, <laughs> you know. Like we looked at a mall property in a mall that really was not a fit for us. Um. But it's just – I I and, and here's the weird – okay, let's get psychological with this for, like, seconds. I know we only have, what, three minutes? We got four, four. minutes. Oh, okay, well, right. we added oh, yeah. a minute. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think because I was always – so aggressive and so in love with the restaurant that I'll see these restaurant spaces and I'm like, oh, the bar could be here mm-hmm. and we could do this and we could do that. And, and, and Oh my god. And I get I get so captivated. It's like, it's like all of a sudden, you know, like a guy who's really big into cars and, and every time he sees a fancy car, he's just like, oh my god. And his wife is like, please don't buy it. Don't do anything with it. I'm the same way. I see a restaurant and I'm like, this has so much cool potential. And I need somebody to be like, hey, back here on earth <laughs> come join me you know i i really do um so so we're looking at places uh if anybody's listening and has a place and a liquor license give me a call <laughs> 616-634-1975 <laughs> um no i mean i i i think we are going to see we're going to do another bobcat cuz at this point it it gets a good response we know what we're doing we're not we're not done with it anymore you know um And I think that there is a a strong market for Bobcat. I mean, we've had great success. Um, So I think doing another Bobcat, you just want to ride that fine line because you don't want to become a chain Mm -hmm. because that loses that magic. You know what I mean? And I think me and you were talking about that mall location. You're like, do you want to be a mall kind of restaurant? And, and, and not cutting down mall restaurants. It's just part of your concept and part of your uniqueness is is that you're in these areas. You know, we're downtown, why not? We're downtown Detroit. You know, do you all of a sudden want to be in this big retail area? Is, is that where you want to take... Bobcat Bonnie's, because part of the coolness is, is that you're not there, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and so so you want to drive a fine line. I also want to, like, own, like, a bunch of, like, crazy restaurants. <laughs> like, I would love to do, like, a taco place, like a seafood place. Shout out to Voyager. <laughs> oh, yeah, the food and wine. Food wine. Yeah. Top, 10, yeah. Top 10, yeah. Yeah, so I thought I would shout that out because <laughs> um, I'm kind. <laughs> um, so, you know, you got that and stuff like that. Um and I and I see us doing a bunch of cool stuff and then I see us like really pushing hard for the next ten years and then kicking back, you know, and really enjoying it. I, I also am dictated based on our our employees. I got amazing employees. Like I got like literally awesome employees. And so I have to give them opportunities to be excited. And and that's really what Bobcat Bonnie is has always been about is, is like giving people opportunities really working with people you know our next thing that we're going to do is it's going to allow us to give ownership almost as a bonus to 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 a partner hmm. you know like it it's it's awesome it's so exciting because that's all i wanted when i was running restaurants i just wanted somebody to be like you know what you've worked your butt off dude you are going to get 5% ownership you don't get any claim if you quit or get fired but you know what? This is yours. Take some pride in it. And I always want to give that to people. It's almost I, like stock options. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, exactly. That you can take, take away. Yeah. You know, um, so, so I always want to do that. And, and I got an amazing staff. I mean, I really do. I'm so happy with them. And everybody we add just, just seems to find their own little uniqueness. And it makes it even better. It's really cool. All right. So let's close with Bobcat Bodies. Where did the name come from? The name is actually my partner's grandma. It is her nickname from the farm. So it's Joe's grandma. Not you, Joe. No, right. You're a heterosexual <laughs> man. Um, it is my Joe, who is a homosexual <laughs> Different jobs, both ridiculously good looking. You can't get it through the podcast, but let me tell you. I'll leave you two alone. Right hey, Joe. No, your your significant other would kill me. And she's also my bestie. Um. So, um, the name came from that. We literally. I'm not kidding you. Here's some name gems that we came up with. I was like, what if we call it Stoic Bar? Sto Stoic Bar. Yeah. And then I was like, God, that sounds douchey. It's like, that should go in Royal Oak. Um, (laughs) Just kidding. Just kidding. It's like, what did Fifth Avenue become? Stoic Bar. (laughs) On all four floors. (laughs) It's great. You'll love it for six months. Um, You know, uh, I mean, other things. We're looking up like shipwrecks of Michigan. I don't know. Like the Edmund Fitzgerald? Yeah, like the Fitzgerald. <laughs> that was actually one of the names. And and then we were looking at like Constellation. I don't know. You, you know, when you're trying to find a name, it's important. Mm-hmm. So you're literally going through everything. And finally, we're driving from Grand Rapids because we had talked to one of my buddies who is a chef over there. And um, we're like, God, let's think of like old and timey names are coming back. You know, uh, what is that place in Chicago that does the great cocktails? Is it Grace? Or something like that? Well, I don't this know. This is a restaurant. Right? Oh, all right. Close, yeah, I think it's Closed, right? Close, or, <laughs> oh. Oh, closed? Oh. There was a Netflix D- thing on it. Uh, yeah. yeah. Oh. He, the chef left, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, sorry. Uh, so you have these old and timey names, and so- Like Hazel. Like, yeah, and, yeah. yeah, yeah, you know, like, and it's kind of cool. Mabel. And Mabel <laughs> beautiful name. Mm-hmm. And then you pair it with your favorite color. Yep. And Great. you
1: spell it the wrong- Wait, is that, are they E or A?
2: I don't know but they're A and I'm then Gray Ghost is you, E. Yeah. Yeah. That guy doesn't know me at all and is always cool. And if I ask a question, he always responds. Yep. I mean Who's that guy? Uh James Regatta. Okay. <laughs> and, and he's gonna be like, Who the fuck is this? <laughs> I'm like, your biggest friend. <laughs> but I
1: feel like Detroit doesn't hire a lot of douchebags. No. I mean, again, ninety percent in the restaurant industry. There was a reaction over there. Um <laughs> I feel like of all the chefs and the bartenders I've met, you know, there's not a lot of douchebags that stand out.
2: I just don't think you make it. You know, because if you're douchey and you're an ass to people, they don't work for you. Right. I mean, I think we all know, uh, I think we all know a pretty big named restaurant that closed and is up for sale Mm -hmm. that that had that reputation. You know, you were difficult to work with, not a very nice person, stuff like that. And it's like, well, oops. Yep. And you put like couple million into the space. If you want it as a bobcat again my number is 616. <laughs> so okay so it was his grandma's it was his grandma's nickname. So her name is Bonnie and she used to drive a bobcat on the farm. Shut the fuck. And so actually if you go to the farm on the bobcat it says Bonnie's bobcat. And the craziest thing our first year open we went to Thanksgiving dinner at their uh, farm and she has a bobcat bonnie uh like i don't know uh polo shirt or something like that i'll show you the we'll, Wait, we'll throw it on the website your logo. um no it's her logo. weird it's her logo that she has had from the 80s yes. that looks like our logo yes. i was like oh my god it's happening <laughs> we we figured out time travel um so, so it's actually really kind of cool, and it's a fun story, and it really does build into who, what we are and who we are. You know, they were just incredibly hardworking people, and and I pride myself on like letting everybody know how hard I work. Um, but no, like I mean, it's constant, and 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 I like that, and I like you know being there, and I like getting the work done and all that stuff. So,
0: all right, so two locations currently
2: working soon to be doing three. Cor-
0: Soon to be three. Hopefully. Okay.
2: If an Olive Garden closes. (laughs) Where's the Corktown location? Corktown location is located at 1800 Michigan Avenue. It is across the street from Bridgestone Tire next to the new Police Athletic League. All right. And then the Wyandotte location? Wyandotte is located at downtown Wyandotte at 118 Sycamore Avenue. Mm -hmm. If you go to the City Hall, look to your right. You'll see us, a beautiful Schwarvo place, and our friends at the Mitten Pup. Awesome. Where can people find you online? Bobcatbonnies.com. Instagram? Facebook and Instagram, which we're big on. That's exciting. Um, We do a lot of. Okay, so if you like us and stuff like that, like us on Facebook and Instagram because we post everything. It's almost like our live journal of like 2018. (laughs) Lots of feelings, (laughs) lots of thoughts. Um, You know, we post a bunch of stuff. Uh, So check us out. I mean, we really do like. Curate it to be like fun and kind of creative and also to get the information out. So you can find us at Bobcatbonnies on uh, Facebook uh, and Instagram or Bobcatbonnieswindout. I will let you in on a secret. They're almost identical. (laughs) Believe it or not, they're the same concept. (laughs) Matt Buskert, thanks for being with us. Best of luck. Congratulations on your first show, you guys. (laughs) This is awesome. Like what you're doing here is really cool. Thanks, Matt. Wait, what number show is this?
0: It's not one.
2: Oh, okay. Well, (laughs) we've been friends for three years, and it's my first time here with a coconut.
0: Until next time, dine well, friends.